Morning, everybody. Uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 139. And uh, before I uh, start the lesson, I uh, have an announcement. We uh, are a church that uh, one of our signature programs in serving the community and serving the poor is foster care, take, helping foster children. And we're so thankful to have Marie, who's been serving in that capacity for almost 30 years now. Giving credit to God. But she started something, I don't know if it was her idea or somebody else's, but it's called the Inner Beauty Pageant. And this is the uh, annual, I think this is number three, and it's this Saturday at 7 p.m. at the Metro uh, building on 151610 Crenshaw. I'm sure it's on our website. You can see Maureen, you can see our community service table if you'd like to serve with this or others. But it's for foster kids where they get to, we've donated gowns and shoes, and they get to dress up and do their hair. And the focus is not how they look, but the focus is how special they are in God's sight. That they're pretty, they're smart, they're talented, they're this or that, but that they're unique in God's sight. And so I got to go last year. It was very touching, brings you to tears. So thankful for everybody that's made donations. And if you'd like to go, be a great parent-child thing uh, to go and serve. Uh, and uh, also, you know how it is uh, when you grew up, if your parents came to your events or not, anyone in the audience, I think, makes a difference in helping children feel special. So you can make it. That would be great this Saturday, 7 o'clock. Okay. Uh, the title of the lesson today is God Knows. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this time to get in your word. Thank you for your word. Uh, what a gift it is. Uh, I love it when I read your word and I get excited. Sometimes I don't get excited, God. But that's not because of you, that's because of me. And I'm so thankful when I read your word and get excited and connect. And uh, just to think that someday we're not going to read your word, we're going to see your word. And we're going to see you face to face. Help us grapple and be inspired with this concept that God knows, that you know us, you know what you're doing, you know what's going on, uh, that you're intimately involved and help us be inspired today and directed to be closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I have, uh, we're going to read one chapter of the Bible, the whole chapter, it's 24 verses, so if you could read along with me when we get there, we're not there yet, uh, and, and stay engaged, and my hope is that you would go back and read this chapter at least once, maybe twice, uh, yesterday on a bike ride, I listened to it for 40 minutes over and over and over again, uh, I must say I tuned out a few times, uh, but a lot got in there too, and I can even hear the voice of the reader still. Uh, but it's good. I like to do that sometimes. After I study a passage, I like to go back and listen to it over and over because the Spirit just kind of speaks to me uh, in different ways about the Word. So I have a story for the teenagers and then everybody older uh, in just a minute. Two different. I have a poem for the teenagers and a story for everyone that's older than teens. I can't say older people because I don't know what category that would be. I'm in that category too. But the purpose of this sermon... It's to help you want to get closer to God. And not just want to, but to decide to get closer to God. And um, yeah, I want you to ask this question today. You don't have to answer it out loud, obviously. If I was to know God more, I would blank. If I was to know God better, I would blank. For me to know God more, it would mean for me to blank. Because... Knowing God isn't just this ethereal, emotional feeling where you just either feel it or you don't, depending on your mood that day or the weather or whatever else. Knowing God takes a concerted effort. And I'm not just talking about going through a ritual, though there's disciplines that help us draw closer to God. But knowing God takes desire, 
determination, diligence, devotion, discipline. It takes a lot of things to know God. So answer yourself later. You can answer it now. If I was to know God more, I would blank and just fill in the blank. It says, I'm going to look at this one verse and then we'll stick into that chapter the rest of our time. Genesis 1.27, I love this verse, talking about God's creation and Genesis chapter 1, 27 verses down at the beginning of the Bible. So God created man in his own image. He, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Three times, God uses the word for us, created. God made us. God knows us. God knows you know, I have a mechanic that I've been going to for 14 years. He used to be a disciple. He gives me really great deals. I've referred tons and tons of people to him. A couple of times it didn't work out so well, that, you know. But hey, twice in 14 years of having to take it back, or a few times in 14 years. But there's times when even Adalberto is stumped, and he tells me, Marco, you're going to have to bite the bullet and go to the dealer. Now, if you love going to the dealer, all power to you. I can't afford the dealer, so... I try to find a deal, and then if I have to go to the dealer, off I go. But there's a few times. I had a short in my car, in my van, that he had pulled apart the seats and pulled the carpet up and looked in the wire uh, harness there and tried everything to fix. I think I got it. I think I got it. He didn't get it. And, uh, you know, I had to go to the dealer. And the dealer had the manuals and could call the company and the manufacturer, and they know exactly what to do. That's how God is. God is the dealer. He's the manufacturer. He is the master. Not a card dealer, not that kind of a dealer. <laughs> Though he does deal us some cards too. But God knows what to do. And today, uh, maybe you're visiting and God knows what you need. Why you came and what you're looking for. Maybe today you're weak spiritually and God knows. He knows where you're at. He knows what you need. He honors your efforts. Maybe today you're on top of your spiritual game. God knows that. Maybe you're here because a friend brought you, or maybe you were dragged here. Or maybe you just dragged yourself. You're a Christian, but you're just not feeling that great in the Lord. And you go, I just got to get myself to the seat in church. I don't know where you're at, and I don't need to know. But God knows. Okay, two stories. One for the older folks that are older than teenagers. And then one for everybody else. There was a photographer named Tiffany Spring. And her grandmother, she was very close to her grandmother. Her name was Audrey Hand. And... Uh, Audrey had a ma major stroke, and the doctor said, you know, we just need to let her go. Like, it, it could only get worse uh, if we do anything else, if she survives this. And so Tiffany rushes to the hospital, and she's sitting beside her grandmother, true story, and she said, she's thinking, if you could only know what kind of woman she is. And every time a nurse would come in, and they'd turn over the, her grandmother who is small and shriveled now under a blanket and just turn her, you know, doing their duty, but there's not a personal connection. She would just feel this overwhelming need to, I want to tell you who's under the blanket. I want to tell you what she was like and who she is. And to make sure that they knew that frail little old lady at one time was a spitfire. She said, every time a medical professional came in the room, I wished I could bring out the albums to show her all the places she traveled. And to show, tell her all the things she did and how she danced and how different it was than it is now. You know, 
she wanted everyone in the world to understand that didn't know her that this woman was a force in the world and more importantly in her world Tiffany's world I didn't just want her to be another 80 year old woman suffering under a blanket I wanted her to be known and uh, you know she uh, her grandmother died shortly thereafter and as she left the hospital and she looked in the different rooms, you know, if you, all of us have been to hospitals, you can, you don't like look into the rooms, but as you just look over, she just saw all these elderly people, one after the other, under their blanket and thought, somebody, this person had a story. They were great at one time. They were strong at one time. And so she, as a photographer, saw another photographer's work and came up with this ad for Alzheimer's. You know, it was a t like a 10, 10 article uh, photography assignment that she did showing... Older people, looking back in their life, there's the Alzheimer medication patch. It's supposed to give you 10 to 15 more years of keeping your memories so you can know who you used to be and find dignity there. I just thought, what a cool picture of this uh, older gentleman whose memory's starting to fade, looking back when he was a studly firefighter in the boots, the jacket, you know, dark hair, the eyebrows. You know, that's going to be all of us sometime. And I think as we get older, we can struggle with different insecurities it was on Time Magazine, by the way, menopause. Um, we can struggle with significance. Wait till you retire and no one's asking you your opinion about anything. And you're now just your name or whatever. You're, I mean, you're not the expert or not this or that. We can just struggle with the fact of, hey, my parents are dying or I'm phasing out of this world. And we logically know it, but emotionally it can be hard. And God knows that about us. God designed us with that peace so that we would long for him. Okay, teens, I have a poem for you that I found. I don't usually read poems, but this is cool. It says this, because as a teen, you can struggle with insecurity, for sure, and you can struggle with significance, and you can struggle with liking yourself or seeing yourself properly in the mirror. You can struggle with feeling understood. And this poem says, never trust a mirror, for a mirror always lies. It makes you think that that's all your worth. It makes you think that all that's all your worth can be seen from the outside. Never trust a mirror. It only shows what's skin deep. You can't see how your eyelids flutter when you're drifting off to sleep. It doesn't show you what the world sees when you're being you, when you're only being you, or how your eyes light up when you're loving what you do. It doesn't capture when you're smiling when no one else can see and your reflection cannot tell you everything you mean to me never trust a mirror for it only shows your skin and if you think that it dictates your worth it's time you looked within you know when you're young everything's about how you look and how you fit in my oldest just finished high school praise God I know there's a lot more. I'm just saying, can I just relish a moment? <laughs> but we were talking, Michelle had a really good talk with her. She moves away on Thursday. Michelle had a really good talk with her. And she said, you know, Danny, high school's over. That, because there's so much pressure in high school. It's very real at that phase of your life. But she says, most of these people you're never going to see again, never talk to again. That little world, that microcosm of pressure. And I said, Michelle, Brian Craig, who grew up as a disciple, ki kingdom kid, he said that was the hardest time of his life. And he's been through some hard stuff. The hardest time of his life was teenage years. That microcosm. So you're going to get through it. You're going to survive. 
but don't just survive. Learn to thrive by learning how to know God. Learning how to find your maker. Learning to have a relationship with him. And learning about how to look within and not just reflect, but to interact with God as you deal with your heart. Amen, teens? Okay, Psalm 139. Let's read it together. You ready? Now, I hope some of you read this again on your own. And again. And again. This is a psalm that David wrote. It says for the director of music. So David was going through a struggle. And then he gave it over to the director of music and said, hey, make a song out of this. And some scholars think he was being misunderstood or judged, which you'll see towards the end of it. But they don't know. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, meaning I pass on from this life, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths like I go to the grave, you're there. If I rise, I get up super early in the morning on the wings of the dawn. Well, no one else is up, he says. If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. And your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, verse 11, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness, even the darkness, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. Let me translate that. Soul. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. Natalia memorized this verse. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of us go, I already knew that. Amen for your confidence. Be careful though. Be careful. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. Talking about when conception and the baby being formed. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts. I wish we could all feel that, like really feel that. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. David's taking it personal right there about people's attitude towards God. I love this last line. and This is your practical that you'll get here in the lesson, right here in the, in the scripture. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, tough prayer right there, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Okay, God knows. God knows. He knows us. And it's really cool because in this passage, you see that God knows us. And I just have one main point for you today to take away. Since God knows me, I don't mean me, me and you. Since God knows me, will I know him? You say, Marco, I already know him. It doesn't work that way. I mean, we've been married 22 years, and I'm still getting to know my wife in a better and better way, and she's getting to know me. And at times she'll even share something. I'm like, I never knew that. How did I miss that? Like, all these years, I've never heard that. Or, and, it's kinda, and then I kind of marvel, like, well, that's cool. There's probably a lot more I don't know yet. And then as you go through different things, you spouses, you learn different things about each other, and there's a, no intimacy. There's a closeness in the friendship. Can I get an amen, older marrieds? <clears throat> amen? There's a closeness in the friendship where you just learn to work together and be together and live together, not just get through who's got what chore, but friendship. So since God knows me, will I know him? You know, for the teens, some of you will go through your church experience, you'll look back and say, my parents made me go to church. It sure beats a sharp stick in the eye, but it wasn't far off. Like, you just kind of, just kind of grind it. I'm glad you're here, but there's so much to be gained here. What you lay down now will literally determine your next decade and two and three, the quality of your life. And that's not a reason to know God, it's the benefits of knowing God. The reason to know God is because without it, we're incomplete, insecure, we're trying to create something in our own image versus fulfilling the image we were already created in. You know, if God knows us, then why do we try to avoid God, ignore God, or run from God? There's a true story a number of years back in an Eastern newspaper that came out. There was a woman on the freeway, and she was driving along, and she noticed this semi-truck, 18-wheeler, driving fast, very close behind her. And it made her nervous. And she said to herself, what, what's happening here? If, you, if I stop, I'm dead. And why is he so close? So she steps on the gas to get some, a gap, a cushion between them. What happens? He steps on the gas and gets up close again. Now she gets nervous. This is not just a fast driver. This could be a creeper. This could be someone that is going after me. So she steps on the gas, starts weaving through traffic, and this big truck starts doing the same thing. The faster she drove, the faster the truck drove. Now she was scared. She goes, i got to get off the freeway, and maybe I can, since I'm in a small car, he's in a big truck, I can just kind of dart around the streets. And so she gets off the, the freeway. The truck does too. She goes, all right, he's definitely following me. I'm in trouble. The woman turns up a main street hoping to lose him, but the truck runs through a red light and just keeps following her. She, she quickly whips her car into a gas station, bolts out of the car and starts screaming, help, help, I'm being chased. The truck comes whipping into the gas station, stops, true story, jumps out of the car, runs over to her car, opens the back door and takes a guy out of the back seat. Because what she didn't know that he had already heard about from his high vantage point, if you've ever been in a semi-truck, 
you sit up really high, it makes you feel bad to the bone. Big wheel. Anybody ever sat in a semi? Come on, am I right? You're kind of up there and the seat's got like extra springs because you're on the road for so many miles. And you're just like, oh yeah, mess with me, baby. This is a big wheel. A lot of gears too. But he didn't know that there was a rapist, a would-be rapist in the back seat. And because of his high vantage point, he could see the person crouching down. And he just wanted to help. The woman was running from the wrong person. The chase was not in his effort to harm her, but to save her even at the cost of his own safety. And she didn't know it because her vantage point was different. And we don't know it because our vantage point is so different than God's. And so many people run from God. And some of you, you're coming to church, but you're really running from God. You're ignoring him. You're like, this is enough. Can I get a pass? Please don't get too much closer. But you're fooling yourself. You can't run from God. Why would you want to run from God? People run from God fearing what God might do to them. But his plans, read the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation, are for good, not evil, and not to harm us, but to rescue us from sins, people, and ourselves from destroying and endangering themselves. You know, one of the things we've learned with our kids that we're trying to teach them is what's a safe person? There's physically people that are physically unsafe, and there's people that are emotionally unsafe. And if you've got a combo of both, run away. Like that lady. Help! Get them away from me! But we're trying to teach them, how do you define a safe person, even in the church? Whether they're friendly or not, or they don't cuss, or they're just fun and they, your personalities mesh, that doesn't make them safe. I said, I'm an adult, and I stay away from certain people. It's not, not you guys, okay? I'm just saying there's certain people I said that you just don't let into your emotional sphere. You don't let, you don't yoke up with them and harness with them and you, you only let them so close and if they're not really open to God, you're like, hey, you know, nice seeing you, bye-bye. You just don't let them because it affects you. The language, the attitude, the, the spirit, all of it. We've got to learn how to run to God. Since God knows me, will I know him? Here's a few observations. Number one, God knows me. God knows me. You know, my mom really knows me. Now, she's 80, so she doesn't remember much. I mean, she doesn't have memory issues. I'm just saying, I go, Mom, tell me some good stories. And you know how it is, too. Uh, we call it revisionist history. They only remember the good stuff at this age. I'm like, Mom, I'm sorry. I was rough. She goes, oh, no, sweetie, you were amazing. You know, I just, all right, <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. Um, but, you know, she just, she doesn't remember much. Other than I was a happy-go-lucky kid and mischievous. And uh, probably more the other than the former. But, but, but she knows me. Michelle knows me better than my mom knows me. You go, and they've known me about the same time. Why? Because I live with Michelle, and we go through life together, and she knows my habits. And some of my habits that were bad have changed to become good habits. Being trained now with the toilet seat after 22 years. I used to be able to leave it up. I used to be able to leave it up as the only man in my house. Didn't have a conviction about it. It was just laziness, easier. Jackie gave me a really hard time about it all the time. I said I will not. I never left it up at her house, but I could eat my own. Now Michelle's changing the, the, uh, the standard at my house. Now I'm middle of the night. i got to go put it down and just, okay. But she knows me. And I love this passage where he just says, God, look what he says. You, you've searched me. The Greek word there means explore. 
or search out. You know me. You know, when I sit, I rise, my thoughts, when I leave, when I lie down. Now, if you're being lazy and saying, hey, this is, I can take a nap because God knows I'm going to be lying down now. I'm just fulfilling. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying he knows our habits. He knows us. You're familiar with all my ways. In fact, before I say something, good or bad, you know it. And if I hold it back and I want to say it, you know it. And that knowledge is either comfortable or uncomfortable. I would say it's more comfortable that God knows me than uncomfortable. I love this quote. It says, God knows us all together and cares for us in spite of that knowledge. He says, you hem me in behind him before. You've laid your hand on me. And I looked up different verses about this hem me in behind him before. That God surrounds us. There's a, there's a level of protection for his people. There's a, a sense of, I got this in the front and the back. I'm protecting you. I got you. You laid your hand on me. I thought, does that mean like, bam, laid your hand? Or I think it's more of just kind of a hand on the shoulder of, it's going to be okay. Or I got you. Or we're, we're in this together. A great job. Or armor on the shoulder. You, you, you're, that God's personally involved. And then when he realizes this in verse 6, he says, such knowledge. Just knowing this, that you are so, that you know me so well. The, the theological word is omniscient. You know me so well that it's just overwhelming how intimate you are with me. I want to be that intimate with you. How is it going with realizing that God knows you? See, we can know this, but then not live with that type of knowledge. You know, I'm so grateful there's a gal named Lyra Noon that's getting baptized today that was just so excited about knowing God and the Bible and having a relationship with God. So she's going to baptize at 6 o'clock, Avenue C. Oh, where's Lara? Right there. Go ahead and stand up. But it's just exciting how she's fought, fought for her faith. She's fought for her faith and just is just excited to know the Bible, excited to have a relationship with God. You know, it's, it's good to know that God knows us and comforting, but it's, sometimes it's hard. Anybody know what that is? What? Torque wrench. Thank you. Who said that? Panino? Yeah, figured. Panino's got, I got three of those. This is a torque wrench, but it's a digital torque wrench. And um, what a torque wrench is, is, you know, it's something that you use that ha where you can set the tightness of a bolt at just the certain, the exact amount. And if you do too much, you break the bolt or you ruin the whole tool, or you ruin the whole piece of machinery. You do too little, the machinery comes apart. And so there's a lot of high-precision machinery on airplanes and different vehicles that you don't just, just like on your tires, when they tighten your tires, they use a torque wrench, not as fancy as this, to not over-tighten it, or under-tighten it where your wheel comes off, or over-tighten it and strip your bolts. And so this uh, torque wrench, there's a little digital meter on the, oh, the new one there, and you set in, what did the manufacturer say is the proper specifications? And you set it at that, and then there, you can't see it from there, but it says there's an uh, audible alert. So right when you get closer, it probably goes, deet, 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 deet. Don't go past there. Even that sound, torqued, is a little rough. But you know, that's how God is. God is, he, he strengthens us. He fixes our loose bolts. He knows where we need pressure. He knows where we need too much, too little. 
and he knows exactly when to stop. He sets the right gauge, the right pressure, all the time. Accurate, reliable, that we can function productively and safely. And we have to trust in him, that he knows us. He knows what torque to set the wrench. And that's hard sometimes. It can be hard all the time. But it's being trusting into that. And I'm grateful for God, the God torquing in my life. I don't like it, but I'm grateful for it. And I have to keep going back to the scriptures and say, hey, it's just the right amount. And there's a comfort in that because God knows me and God knows you. You know, the other passage here in verse 7 to 12, is God, God knows what I'm going through. And I love this. I love this verse in verse 7 through 12 where he just goes on to say, he says, where can I go? Like, what situation can I be in if I, like, go to the far side of the sea where there's no human beings? God's there. If I'm in the darkness, God's there. If I'm in the heavens, God's there. If I'm dying, God's there. If I get up early in the morning and no one else is up, God's there. No matter where I go, God's presence is there. And I thought, even that verse where he says, if, if, it's, if I said, surely it'll be darkness. And you know how it is when it's dark either physically or emotionally, it's really hard to see. It's hard to measure things accurately. But he says, even in darkness, God shines like the day. For he created our inmost being. He knit us together in our mother's womb. You know, and C.S. Lewis says, we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. And this whole concept of accurate empathy is so powerful. God is the only one that really gets us. Some people get us better than others, but God is the only one. And I love the times in the Bible where I'm reading the Bible and it's beyond just, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that fits. That's really cool. I love it where I have those aha moments where I'm reading the Bible and I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I thought. That's exactly how I feel. That's, ex that's whoa, that's what I'm going through. That, and where you just go, God, you understand. And there's just a sense of comfort, Clarity, confidence, encouragement, peace that comes from God individually and directly to you. We've got to love the Word of God. We've got to dig in the Bible because that's where there is so much strength because He knows exactly what we're going through. You know, there was a uh, young, uh, there was a son of an Indian chief and he had reached the age where he had to prove to be a man and he went through all the rites of passage and the last part of his rite of passage was that he had to spend the night alone in the forest with lots of animals around, a lot of wild animals. And all through the night, the wild animals gathered around the boy, growling and snarling. And the boy was so scared. He thought, but I'm, this, I'm the Indian chief's son. I've got to hold it together. Just a few more minutes, just a few more hours. And he's sitting there with the stick and just scared, but staying the course. Finally, the dawn began to break. And the night shadows began to disappear. And the animals all slunk away. And as the boy began looking around in the morning light, much to his surprise, his father had been stationed behind him the entire time with an arrow fixed in the bow. That even though he felt, I'm alone. I'm afraid. One wrong move, this is going to go bad. His father had been there all along over his shoulder ready to protect his son from harm. Isn't that how God is? 
Isn't that who God is? And I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you're not going through anything. It doesn't matter. God is present. God knows what you're going through. And wherever you're at, whether you're running from God or you're just far away, God is there. And he's present. And it's such an encouraging and comforting thought that we can't run from God. Why would we want to run from God? You know, um, I've shared a picture of my time in the canyon. And I'm so grateful. My relationship with God has grown so much these last couple years. And there's times, and I shared this in the sermon last week in Long Beach, there's times when I'm not praying that I wish I was. You ever felt that? Like, you know, right now, I would rather be, and I transport myself, I'd like to be sitting in the canyon right now with God and me. Now, I can be with God in the car. That's not the point. The point is there's just a sense of, there's times in my life where I feel like the only place I feel centered is with God. And I think that's a good place to be, don't you? Isn't that true even when we don't feel a strong need for God? But I'm so thankful for the times when it's dark or frightening or challenging because it draws me closer and closer and closer to God. And that's what it's all about anyway, knowing God. You know, the last thing is God knows what to do. God always knows what to do. You know, that brings comfort. Because often, many times, I don't know what to do. And sometimes the fact that I think I know is a little concerning too. But often I don't know what to do. And look what he says in verse 14. God, I praise you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God, I know you know what you're doing. My frame was not hidden from you. He says, God, you made me from the sperm and the egg at conception. You picked me out. Now, I wish maybe he would give me a little more height or genetic disposition for sports or muscles. Anyone had those thoughts before? Yeah. Take a little more hair, a little less hair, a little more curly, a little straight. I don't know. But God picked all that out in just the perfect situation. But he says, God, I will, even when I was being created, knit together, even when you were doing your thing, and I didn't know you were doing your thing, I wasn't even at, you know, born yet, you were in control. You were doing your thing. You were in control. He says, your eyes saw my unformed body. Look at these last two verses. They're very important. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me. Can we think that way? Can we lean towards that way? How precious to me are your thoughts. Sometimes I feel that about my thoughts. How do you feel about God's thoughts? God, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Here's what I have to say. What do you have to say? Here's what I know. I know you know a lot, but tell me what you know that I would need to know. But God, I want to know what you think. Pe many people dream of having lunch with Warren Buffett, one of the wealthiest men of all times. The guru of Omaha. Oracle, Oracle sorry. thought it was guru. He is a guru too, financial guru. But the Oracle of Omaha, like if I could have lunch and pick this guy's brain worth Billions and billions of dollars. How about picking God's brain? How about his thoughts being precious to us? How vast is the sum of them? Were I to try to count all the things you know, God, it'd be like sand on the seashore. I couldn't even pick it up. You know, I was with Henry a couple weeks ago and uh, was feeling a little discouraged and a little emotional and a little insecure and uncertain. And, you know, you got to love Henry. 
I do love Henry. But no, no, no. You have to know Henry to love Henry the way I know Henry. And Henry just looked at me and he leaned forward and he says, Marco, you know, kind of like buck up. You know, he goes, you need to be more faithful and more joyful. That's not exactly what I wanted to hear. Just to be honest. But I did take it to heart, as he knew I would. And I did put it on my prayer list. God, help me be more faithful and joyful. Because that's a good thing to pray about. And I'm grateful because God knows what to do. God's got a lot of power. So why wouldn't I be more faithful and joyful? I'm relying more on myself, so I'm thankful for it. I didn't like it at the time because it didn't make me feel good. didn't say anything wrong. But it, it drew me to go, you know what, he's right. That At the end of the day, that is the conviction of someone that knows God. You know, there's a, there's a woman that, uh, or a gentleman, I mean, that <clears throat> went and visited a power plant, and it was a coal-made power, coal, uh, power plant, and, it's, and it he talked about how there were huge shovels. They'd dig into this big piles of coal, and, of lignit coal, and then they pulverize them and load them into rail, railroad boxcars, and then they travel to this plant in East Texas, and then they crush it into more power, po powder, and then they'd superheat the powder, and it would ignite. It would explode like gasoline when blown into the huge furnaces that crank three turbines. 3,600 revolutions per minute, these turbines would be housed in concrete and steel casings, 100 feet long, 10 feet tall, 10 feet across, generating enough electricity for cities just from that material from the earth. A visitor to the plant once said to the chief engineer, where do you store the electricity? Uh, we don't store it, the engineer replied. We just make it. When a light switch, he said, is flipped in Dallas, and another light switch here, another light switch here, it automatically tells our computers, generate more. Like, generate more power. And obviously it's more than just one little light switch. You know, someone just turns on their bathroom, little light and suddenly all this power rushes. But the point is, there's, these computers can sense any kind of draw on the power, which then makes them increase the amount of electricity needed at that moment. And you know, that's like how God's grace and power is for us. It can't be stored. Though it's inexhaustible, it's always available for us and comes in the measure required at the moment of need. So I close with this. Since God knows me, Will I know him? You know, I just want to give you this practical six-part prayer to God. Look at it at the beginning. David said, Oh, Lord, and this is my paraphrase, whether I wanted to or not, you searched me and you know me. But now at the end of the psalm, he asks God. And he says to God, God, I invite you to search me. Explore me. Know my heart. Part number two. Number three. Test me. See if I'm genuine, God. And know my anxious thoughts. See where I need some more faith and joy. And boy, that's a tough prayer, by the way. I'm not saying I'm praying test me, because I feel like I'm really filled up in that area. But um, <laughs> So I, I just, it's already happened. Why would I ask for what's happening? So he says, know my anxious thoughts. And then he says, number five, see if there's any offensive way in me. Uh, when is there not? And lead me into the way everlasting. Pray this prayer this week to God. Go through all six parts. Let me just close here with this. John Wesley has on his tombstone that, well, he didn't do it. Somebody put on his tombstone as he was dying. And it was a famous saying that he said, 
that he said at his death. The best of all is God is with us. And on his deathbed, this saying that he was very known, very well known for, the best of all is God is with us. And on his deathbed, he uttered it. And then once more, he feebly raised his arms and lifted his voice in a grateful triumph with all the strength he can muster. He said, the best of all is God is with us. And then he died. Let's be a people that know God because God knows us. Amen.